ironically, not only am I still working my job full time, but this has been our busy season and uh, the whole crisis really hasn't affected that at all. So I've had plenty of nights where I might have to work until seven, eight, nine, ten, And, you know, when I hit like my normal clock out time of five, uh, I've got this double monitor set up here. And instead of using both monitors for work, I kind of switch modes, use one monitor for work and the other monitor for Netflix or YouTube or whatever is putting on uh, an old favorite movie like Silver Linings Playbook or um, a favorite YouTuber's channel like Todd in the Shadows. Um, and then just kind of use that to kind of just kind of keep me going and entertained and in good spirits while working these late shifts. Um yeah. <laughs> yeah, as the rest of the world collapses. <laughs> as the rest of the world collapses around me. Yeah, it's funny how quickly a bedroom becomes a bunker. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's a good t-shirt. That's a good yeah, right? <laughs> I've, I've been coming up with some good phrases today. Like, I, I've been on it. Um, uh, it's just like, in, I was coming to, uh, coming to this directly from, like, a work meeting where I was just talking through... Uh, a program with someone and called something uh, Shenanza, which would be like a bonanza of shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, like, I got to use that. I need to. That. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's got, that sounds like a fun party. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a really fun party. Start, start holding <laughs> Shenanzas here once the uh, quarantine's up. <laughs> What are we talking about? What do you think of Justin Bieber and Lady Gaga and the new people? Well, different strokes for different folks. I make music, so. What are we talking about? The women love you when you get out there. Why is that, ladies? Well, I'm asking you. Because I do look you think good. That is? You I look smell good. good. I yes. feel good. And make love good. Oh. What are you going to say to your fans when they ask you some questions about it? I'm going to say, I feel good. Yeah. I mean, how silly is that? I and mean, we're talking about. I'm really happy for you. I'm going to let you finish. But Beyonce had one of the best videos of all time. Where's that cocaine? And I said, if it ever was here, it ain't here no more. And we're talking about... Give your, your listeners and my listeners a sneak peek into the weird movie yeah. posters that I've got up here <laughs> in my bedroom. This, I'll give you a little story there. That's... Uh, I like her. That was a good movie. Right? <laughs> um, <laughs> so this is the fourth or fifth place that I've lived where I've put those posters up. Uh next to each other in the corner of my bedroom over my bed it's this weird habit that i've just been doing for for years now i I've started somewhere in late college and for me it's this is hilarious dichotomy because not only do i just love both of those films which for those of you who can't see yet it's her and toy story 3 but it's this very specific dichotomy of her being a movie about a man who fall who's in love with an inanimate object and Toy Story being a movie about an inanimate object who's in love with a human. Yeah. So just that little switcheroo. Um, but I also just, I spent all of college working at movie theaters. Like, here, like, behind my desk, I've got this massive, uh, like, one of those big, like, actually like cardboard posters for a movie called Philomena. You can kind of barely see it, by the way, it's covered. And then uh, <laughs> over back there in the corner, I've got like a little shrine to uh, The Last Jedi and just a bunch of like posters and books and stuff for that. And then <laughs> and then my office at work, I have posters for 
a Toy Story 1 and 2 double feature, How to Train Your Dragon, and The Secret World of Arietti, which was a Studio Ghibli film. So yeah, uh, the uh, arts is a funny thing for me um, because there there's so many different interests that I have in the realm of arts. Um, and really, I can only effectively focus on one at a time. So it's in a period of life where I'm trying to write more, work on my essays or short stories or whatever. I'm not writing much music in those seasons. Um, in this past year, uh, year and a half, really, uh, where the focus went almost tunnel vision on the full length album that I was writing and recording, you know, I was barely writing at all. Like my blog became this little dusty corner of the internet and, you know, all like novels and movie ideas were forgotten. Um, and right now I'm, I'm in a, a strangely prolific season musically that also is just like cutting at the, the knees, like my, like movie ideas that I have and, uh, wanting to do like, comedy sketches with my brother who's a really funny uh like i almost want to say comedian he's never done anything professionally as a comedian but he's he's just like like if you know him he's like one of the funniest guys you know right uh and he can just do voices and accents incredibly intuitively and realistically um and so i was like there's that um there's uh JesusFreeCatout.com, the long-running Christian music website that I'm often running late on <laughs> delivering my <laughs> reviews for. Um, which, yeah. I mean, I host their podcast, which in my mind is more than enough work <laughs> yeah, <laughs> being done. But like every now and then I'll get really excited about a new album that's coming out and be like, ooh, I'll write the review for that. And then I always turn my review in really late. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting um when when art becomes work you know it becomes a, a very very different beast absolutely yeah. <laughs> you know if it's if i'm just casually like writing a song every now and then when i feel inspiration and if i'm just like you know chipping away at a novel idea because i think maybe my kids will enjoy reading it someday you know that's that's so completely different than the uh like time and resources and emotional energy and you know financial investment that it takes to you know really try to get your work out there or to make something that stands up to professional standards uh which has been something that i've been trying to you know jump into uh in a more dedicated fashion over this past year or so so it's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, you kind of touched on everything I was going to say in my little introduction for you. But let's hear your take. <laughs> I was going to say, I am here with Chase Tremaine. Uh, you can find him at Chase Tremaine on Instagram. And are you on other social media sites? At Chase Tremaine on Twitter as well. Twitter. Um, also on Twitter... Uh, I'm I'm the host of two podcasts, so at JFH Podcast and a really new one actually that's called Unlearning Ignorance. Um, cool. So that's at Unignorance Pod, uh, but we also have Unlearning Ignorance as a Facebook page and a Facebook group. Um, 
So that is where uh, a, a new level of kind of energy and dedication is going to. That podcast has actually been years in the making. So uh, we are now releasing, and when I say we, it's, uh, it's the original brainchild of my college roommate, Ethan Hicks. He wanted to make a podcast that basically kind of pits against each other uh, for friendly civil debate. I love it. Uh, different perspectives of society's most divisive issues. Uh, so in that, we are kind of wearing different hats um, and doing a lot of study and research so that we can show up to each monthly episode and really hash into the specific nitty-gritty arguments pro and you know and against uh you know like our first four episodes alone will cover uh pacifism uh which is out now um personality tests gun control and objectivity and art oh yeah kind of switching back and forth between (laughs) political leaning issues and social leaning issues uh and then we openly invite uh listener responses to essentially like did we represent your side at all? Did we represent your side fairly? Uh, do you have any uh, feedback for us or ways in which we should learn better, learn more? Um, and kind of this whole idea that you know we we all have ignorance towards different perspectives and different views in the world uh, that we want to uh, encourage unlearning uh, so that we can see as people um those who disagree with us even if we think it's a disagreement of the most egregious order uh and most of our episodes basically end with a segment that's how can people who disagree on this still be friends (laughs) Um, (laughs) i like that yeah you have to have that if you're gonna (laughs) yeah yeah if you continue Um, the podcast you're gonna have to have that (laughs) yeah so that's that's a that's a fun uh (laughs) <laughs> a fun thing that we're getting into and that's awesome. so that's out now uh wherever podcasts are heard presumably wherever this podcast is <laughs> heard. um yeah, of I'm I'm everywhere it. but itunes i protest itunes which is not really the smartest uh decision <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's a moral stance i take uh <laughs> it's a hill i'm willing to die on you know um nice but, <laughs> yeah, you can find this podcast, Sean V. Planet podcast channel on Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, BitChute, and YouTube. And um, I was going to promote just the link. The, it's jesusfreakhideout.com slash podcasts. Yep. You can find the whole catalog. It's like three years now, right? Two or three years? Uh, we're, we're into our third year. Third um, year. We, we slowed down recently from releasing weekly episodes. Um, but we're at 106 now, so we're pretty deep into <laughs> yeah. it. They're amazing, too. I've learned so much because I'm so new to Christian music that uh-huh. I've like, genuinely learned so much just from your, like, just from, like, I think I've listened to, like, 10, 11 episodes total. So I still have some work to do, some catching up to do, like, on the on the. Well, floor. maybe they're not all worth it, but, but uh, <laughs> yeah. no, it's great. I, uh, it, it's but such yeah. a fun thing of balancing like occasionally there are entire episodes or shorter segments of episodes that are just me talking and it feels like i'm this like radio dj sort of thing or like this ted talker person it's it's a it's a really fun hat to put on um like i i don't know if this was a critique or a compliment but one time 
I was just on the phone with my friend Dane, riding my longboard just up and down my street, just kind of like over and over again while on the phone. And there was this period of our conversation where I had just been talking while longboarding for like over 20 minutes without interruption. <laughs> and my friend Dane just like cut in to say, hey, Chase, I just want, want you to know, you can monologue like no one else I've ever heard. Um, and again, that might be a critique, but it's a critique that I'll put on a hat and flaunt. Uh, but yeah, most of our episodes are artist interviews. And so it's so cool to... Um, learn from other people and to hear different perspectives and uh, get insights into the industry from artists and writers and producers and publicists and kind of the whole shebang. Um, and it's been really rewarding. And of course, you know, as you probably know, also living in the Nashville area, it's incredible how many of these interviews I actually get to have in person, which really is um, a gift as you, you know, we're talking about earlier, whether or not that segment will make it into the edited <laughs> version of the podcast. <laughs> you know, it's always the preference to sit down in, in person rather than doing it over a webcam. Yeah. And uh, yeah, getting the opportunity to just click, you know, with people that, you know, a few years ago, I never would have even thought that I would ever meet um, yeah. has been a, a real gift. And of course, I'm, I'm definitely like this very lucky, blessed benefactor of uh, the long legacy that Jesus Freak Hat Art has in the industry. almost 24 year old website, um, which is bonkers. That's like <laughs> back to the very early days of the internet. Um, so it's yeah. been a wild ride for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's weird that 20 years ago, this all wasn't <laughs> right. like a Skype call during the apocalypse would be uh, unimaginable, you know? <laughs> right, right. And, and it's, it's, it's been an interesting uh, thought exercise, uh, you know, recording this obviously still mid quarantine to think about how we would have survived yeah. um, <laughs> without these uh, yeah. that we have. Yeah, imagine no Netflix during <laughs> right. um, no YouTube or Netflix during your apocalypse. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, the way I'm watching my church service every week, uh, the way I'm getting some semblance of a church gathering, quote unquote, is through a live stream. That's, you know, put through YouTube and the way I'm keeping up with my um, small group members is uh, Zoom calls and phone calls throughout the week and group text message. And, you know, go back 20 years and, you know, I think text messaging would be out of the picture at that point or like that's like a new invention. Uh, you know, go back 30 years and we've lost the cell phone. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. the, uh, what, go back a little over 100 years, I think, and we lose the cell phone at the, or I mean, the telephone at all. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's just it's crazy as I think that. And there's the one aspect of entertaining ourselves um, that the technology becomes super helpful. Whether it's the people who binge TV shows, or the people who play video games. Um, you know, I've become much more of a YouTube consumer <laughs> in the quarantine than I have been previously. Um, I, but I think we would have been fine on books if those things weren't available to us. Um, you know, books power the imagination where instead of watching these things on a screen, you're just seeing it in your mind instead. So I don't think there would have been much of a loss there. Um, but really, it's just it's the interpersonal communication. Like, I think like we would all have like casts and arthritis and stuff because we'd be <laughs> writing each other letters so much 
uh, if yeah. we weren't able to see each other or communicate in any other fashion, yeah. you know, for two months straight now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do love there writing letters. Whole industries of <laughs> yeah, casts and like pay, like the paper business would just be booming. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. That'd be uh, the only industry. That would be selling right. Now. Yeah, ink, ink pens, and paper would be. Booming. Yeah, those would be the essential businesses. <laughs> yeah, and newspapers wouldn't be dying. It would be. Uh... Oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I also just want to tell my fans too. You have a new album, Unfall out. Unfall is out. Yeah, right. Unfall, Unfall is out. the name. It is uh, out on uh, Spotify and just every other streaming site. Yeah. Yep. Um. All the streaming sites. I actually have it on a quarantine sale right now on Bandcamp, oh, wow. uh, where it's only three dollars. Um, and then if you're here in the Nashville area and it, you hit me up on you know Twitter or Instagram or whatever uh, or music at chasetremaine.com, I'd be happy to get you a physical copy. I've got um, hundreds of CDs here. <laughs> uh, yeah. How does that feel to to like actually physically hold your CD? It's great. Hold, hold your it, art in your hands. It's super great. I, <laughs> you know, in 2019, when I decided to commit to making a full length album, uh, it was really going in deeper than I ever planned to. The, uh, I had originally recorded the songs Matter, Worth the Wait, and Lonely Saints just to be a three song EP, just to release online and say, hey, look, I made something that I'm proud of. And this yep. is what I sound like when I sing and play all the <laughs> um, And that's really all it was going to be. And then uh, it was just th this strange kind of series of reactions to it from both myself and um, people I trusted who were hearing those three songs and being like, this is, this is really good. Like, w I want more. Or like, these three songs feel incomplete by themselves. Um, and so I started kind of just thinking of like, what okay, what would it look like if I turned it into a, a, a six-song EP? Or, or what if more? Could I afford more? Um, and essentially, I, I decided uh, that instead of paying off my car early like I had planned, <laughs> uh, that I would instead use the money I'd saved up to finish paying off my car and uh, commit to making a full-length album. So there's a huge story there in terms of how I picked the songs and um, writing the final song for the album and different things that went into it. But it still became such a larger investment of time and money than I expected that I wasn't even ex I wasn't even planning on making physical copies of it. And after seeing a really successful uh, Kickstarter that my friend Graham Jones did for his new album that actually just came out here about a month ago. Um, called The Story's Still Alive, and I highly recommend it. Um, and I got to talk to him about that kind of process. And I'd already paid for my album. I wasn't needing some massive Kickstarter to make or break the project. Um, but I realized that Kickstarter would be a really cool way to handle album pre-orders and basically say, if I get enough pre-orders for the album of people that want a copy of the CD then that can fund actually making the CD in bulk and buying enough not only to fulfill the pre-orders, but to have more to keep selling or just giving away later on. Um, and uh, 
so I did that and funded uh, the Kickstarter to like 126%, which was really exciting. Um, and so got to like <laughs> find a graphic designer to, you know, fill out the whole CDs. And uh, my friend Lauren, who uh, made the painting that became the album artwork, um, she, uh, I commissioned her to make uh, more paintings for the rest of the lyric booklet. Um, so like she made a specific painting for each song's lyric panel, uh, which was really cool. Um, and yeah, I just got to make them and have this, this physical CDs that I can get to like ship out to people and have my friends be like, you signed my lyric booklet. I'm like, no, but okay. Um, and, uh, that's awesome. And I'm actually still, however many months later, I, we are, almost four months review uh, removed from the album coming out so we're about seven or eight months removed from the kickstarter process i am still working on uh fulfilling the last of the kickstarter rewards um you know so some people just uh ordered pre-ordered the cd so they got that immediately done uh no big deal some people took the next step up to not only pre-order the cd but to get a commentary edition so it was somewhere in like late uh, February, early March that I finally finished recording this commentary edition of the CD that ironically, while the, the CD itself is 46 minutes long, the commentary edition is like 90 minutes long. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I went a uh, wow. little, little crazy overboard on that. Uh, uh, whoops. Uh, and then thorough. the people oh, thorough. <laughs> thorough, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Positive adjectives. Positive. Yeah. Um, no, no, it's not working. Um, and adjectives. Yeah. yeah. Adjectives. 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 <laughs> adjectives. And the highest tier was people ordering personalized songs basically paying an extra amount of money for me to write you your own like two minute acoustic song that's about you or for you or for whatever you tell me to write it about um so i had 13 people uh take that yeah it's like uh, how many do you really want you're like okay that's yeah. great that's a good idea i hope maybe like five people do this and then it's like oh no <laughs> right 67 people uh, i think <laughs> now it's I... 85 oh no <laughs> here's my next eight albums of material cool um no i i set a cap of 30 um so i didn't you know even reach half of the the craziness that i was putting myself in for if all 30 of those have been purchased um as like those those uh can be such a time commitment um in terms of like scheduling the conversations just to have with the people to figure out like what do you want your song to be like what do you want it to be about and you know do you want it to sound like any artists in particular or do you just want it to sound like me and like a, as if it was another unfall song um and uh yeah and then there's a few people that i wrote like multiple songs for because i wasn't really sure if i was hitting it on the on the head or not um but i also just basically just decided to throw away the whole two minute acoustic thing um and most of the songs are like full three to four minute productions oh wow <laughs> um something that uh i've been able to 
get into a bit more during this quarantine is uh, just kind of stepping up my self-production game. Uh, bought uh, a bit of nicer equipment for uh, recording here at home. Um, so on these demos, it's like all fake drums. Like they're just like you know programmed in the computer. But I, I, you know, I put a lot of like time and detail into making it sound good and realistic, and it's not just like one beat like on loop forever. Um, and then everything on top of that is real in terms of recording like bass and acoustic guitar and vocals and stuff. And yeah, and so basically like you know a dozen or so people have received like these full uh, productions uh, that almost could be like another album. Um, and it's uh, it's been re- it's been really fun, really rewarding. Uh, doing the whole personalized song thing is actually something that I've been doing off and on for five years now. Um, I tried to like run with that as a business model back in 2015, uh, but it was just it was too hard to sustain, too hard to price, uh, and too hard to find customers for it to be like something I could actually live off of back then. Um, Plus, the quality of, of uh, work that I was making back then pales in comparison to what I'm uh, able to do now. So, if I start it up again, I might fare a little better. But then I also have this full-time job now and these podcasts now. So, man, time just gets away from me, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but think of the possibilities of where you'll be 20 years from now. Uh-huh. <laughs> I hope in 20 years from now, I've just given up on it all. Made some crotchety... Uh, middle-aged guy who's just mowing my lawn <laughs> all the time. Oh yeah. Now uh, there is an extent to which I don't think I'll ever be able to stop writing lyrics, writing songs, um, like just coming up with random lyrics in my head and air drumming all day long is just part of my existence and it's part of you know how Chase Tremaine processes the universe. That being said, while it will always be there to some extent. I'm I'm planning, if at all possible, to really dedicate this specific decade to being as prolific as possible. To basically make for Chase Tremaine the 2020s what the 1960s were for the Beatles. You know, back when yeah. they were releasing yeah. somewhere between one and three albums. You know, every year. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. So I really want to uh, hopefully commit to that to whatever extent I can. And so, in my mind, what that looks like is um, ideally a like a main, full-length, high-quality uh, album every two years or so, with um, a lot of supplementary or maybe just like random EPs and stuff in between. Um, but my real goal is to make each album, rather than just its own you know, 10 or 12 track thing, making an album a, a suite of music, you know, S-U-I-T-E, of <laughs> different albums that kind of coalesce into one bigger project. Um, so my ongoing idea right now is for Unfall to Spearhead, um, a collection of albums and EPs that would include um, a B-Sides project of the songs that didn't make it to the album, uh, and... Uh, acoustic project of acoustic reinterpretations of the songs Um, a complimentary album of completely different songs altogether um, that's a different style and a whole different like lyrical uh, focus 
but songs taken from the same songwriting sessions from the same uh, eras of life. Um, and then maybe just a little few fun EPs. Like I'm, I'm playing around right now with ideas. If, if I can set aside the time to uh, make for one, like uh, kind of like synthy uh, instrumental kind of like chill wave uh, <laughs> instrumental versions of a few of the songs. And then making these like lo-fi sped up punk rock versions of a few of the songs um so all these kind of ideas in my head but basically <laughs> i make it like this That's awesome um prolong the event uh of the album into this whole very literal album cycle uh until moving on to um the next the next album and the whole new wave of music that kind of ideally would allow me to milk this set of songs for as much as they're worth while also not rushing into the next set giving me plenty of time to accumulate new songs and new ideas uh without you know like i think like perfecting the art yeah yeah or moving on to the next next piece you know <laughs> right you know i can learn <laughs> as much as possible about writing and recording and translating songs and and rethinking reimagining songs from this set before moving on to the next without like running into these two different errors one would be um wanting to perfect the next album so much that i don't release anything between now and then that it's just like a two or three year dry period um or the other problem of rushing into the next album and not giving those songs enough time to like live and breathe and um, and grow the way that uh, the songs on Unfall did because the, it <clears throat> Unfall has four songs on it that were basically like brand spanking new and didn't have time for much uh, kind of growth and change, uh, but there were still songs that like I really you know kind of fought for and made made them as good as possible obviously, but the other six songs on the album went through pretty extreme edits and rewrites and reimaginings that I think they really benefited from. Uh, and so I don't want to lose that opportunity in making more music of not, you know, giving, giving myself a chance to really ask questions like, is this what I want to say with this song? Um, do these lyrics and, and this music match the way that they should? Um, is every line really adding to the story and the theme here is there a better way or a more honest way or more artistic way that i can accomplish this
one of my questions, my recurring questions on the podcast is um, who and where is Chase Tremaine in the year 2025? The year is 2025. Uh, in 2025, uh, you kind of just laid out your 10-year plan. But what's your what's in five years? Where where are you? What are you doing? I will be a replicant in a future society that is completely owned by Sony. <laughs> and we have flying cars. Uh, I will be questioning whether I was ever a real human or whether um, I. Wearing face masks and staying killed and re- yeah, recreated <laughs> as a human-like robot. Um, I will probably be following in the footsteps of my father, who's a police officer. But instead, I will be a Blade Runner uh, chasing down <laughs> other replicants uh, to kill them because they've been expired. Um, yeah. The uh, five-year plan. Uh, so presumably, five years would ideally put me somewhere between albums three and four which really crazy is like i already have like these albums planned out to an extent like i already know exactly what i want album number three to be um and that kind of kills me that it's like so far off um and it's like the songs aren't even written yet i just know like what what i'm hoping to accomplish with that one and i know like what what uh I kind of know like what artists' discographies um, I'm wanting to align myself with. Like, I May would be the big one um, for at least like their first few albums. Like, if if this album, if Unfall is my destination, beautiful, then I really want like these follow-up releases to be like their destination B-sides, their um, uh, kind of offshoot you know collection they put out. And then I really want my second album to be like the Everglow. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with them, but that's uh, that's just kind of like a, a model that I'm using of, of what what does proper growth look like? Because um, I don't want... I, I honestly believe I released something that's as good as Destination Beautiful for my first album. So I don't want to fall short of releasing something <laughs> that aims for the next, the next big uh, markup with the next album. So... Uh, hopefully continual music growth i can't imagine not being in nashville still um it would be a very weird train of events that would take me anywhere else um presumably and and again like it's so hard to imagine because like the only sensible place to move other than living here would be back to my hometown home state in the dallas fort worth area of texas oh wow um, so like being there would make sense. Anything there, anything outside of those two options is, is just a mystery to me. Um, I imagine that I'll be married. <laughs> uh, maybe with a kid uh, or two. I mean, I guess like marriage and two kids is, is actually feasibly possible five years from now, which is wild. Um, but of course, like if you had asked me five years ago, yeah. Where I would be in five years, I would say married probably with a kid. <laughs> so the, the future uh, is mysterious. Um, but I have a a 2020 goal of finishing at least the rough draft of one screenplay. Um, so hopefully there can be some progress made 
in that area. Um, maybe like you know, getting something to like an indie director or, or something. I do have a few like familial connections to the film industry. So three cheers for nepotism. Uh, <laughs> well, how do you have time in your life to do all of this and have a wife and kids? <laughs> Great question. Um, I like, think, how do you see that? Like, I, it already seems like almost like not, like not enough time to do everything you're already doing. Yeah. Let alone like adding <laughs> yeah, bigger, sure. <laughs> bigger time consuming. Well, endeavors. crazy thing. Um, I, I do constantly um, uh, surprise myself with what's possible in terms of time. Um, I recognize that as busy as I am right now, there are still pockets and windows of time that, that are being wasted, whether it's, you know, sleeping for an hour longer than necessary before getting up in the morning or, um, you know, watching, you know, some YouTube videos to chill out after work that, again, aren't necessary um, or, you know, just like spending time hanging out at coffee shops that like there, there are things that could be cut out. Um, and so I will give you a, a rewind to a time in my life. This was about uh, almost, almost two years ago um, when I was working full time, hosting weekly episodes of the JFH podcast, um, actively spending time with the woman I was dating at the time. Um, I was involved at church frequently. And on top of all that was uh, taking seminary classes. Oh, wow. So that I can I, I kind of look back on that season and almost say, I guess anything's possible. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did not think that I was going to yeah, get through that, that season of life. Um, yeah. And uh, it was a super <laughs> fascinating experience because I, I was basically I, I took this mini mester, like this eight week um seminary experience to kind of ask myself five questions um do i have the time for it uh do i have the money for it uh do i um get good grades uh does it have a negative impact on my health and sanity and does it have a negative impact on my spiritual life and i was going to continue in seminary if I got the green light on all five of those uh, questions. And I figured like money or time would be yeah. like the, the thing that would kill it for me. But honestly, at the end of it, time was a, a surprising green light. Money was a surprising green light. I got an eight and um, I was actually healthier. Wow. than usual and it was still like I was actually <laughs> exercising in that season more than usual oh, wow. um, and I would like I would like load up like a class lecture on my phone and then like go for a jog while listening to it stuff like that awesome. you know I was kind of mixing together studying and exercising in, in, like in good up, ways yeah um, up the time management yeah so it was actually the spiritual question that nixed seminary for me um, I found that being in seminary was uh, in a way that w is true for me and definitely not true for plenty of people uh, it just had warped Christianity from being about actually 
you know, seeing Jesus, loving Jesus, pursuing Jesus, to just being knowing things about Jesus. Yeah. And so I was um, incorrectly conflating um, being a healthy, good-hearted, sanctified Christian with just knowing things and getting the good grades and, <laughs> yeah. you know, writing the good essays. Uh, and it really, like, wh- when I exited that mini-mester um, to kind of evaluate uh, whether I would enroll for the spring, I kind of looked back and, and realized what was going on in my heart and how I had this shiny veneer of, you know, star seminary student to cover up like the crippling um, kind of spiritual death underneath. And it's kind of like, man, this is not a good place for me. Um, and I'm so glad I saw that because yeah. to then yeah. commit years to that would have been really <laughs> dangerous territory. Yeah. Um, and and I, I was fully ready. Like, I'm going to get my master's and blah, blah, blah. And when I kind of felt so clearly that God was giving me this no um, for continuing seminary, that's when I felt him giving me uh, a yes to get back into music. So it was leaving seminary that then went to me uh, ultimately making unfall. Um, so very interesting progression of life that, you know, to kind of go back to the five-year question is like, man, I can never know what to expect. You know, like I would have said that, you know, again, like five years ago, I probably would have said like, oh, in five years, I'll probably be finishing up seminary and, you know, um, (laughs) so yeah, that's awesome. My hair will hopefully still be long. (laughs) <laughs> uh, maybe I will finally uh, shaved off this terrible beard by then um, yeah. with yeah, all of these fine. books that yeah. I own maybe I will have read three or four of them um, <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That, that, that's it <laughs> I love that well speaking of uh, rewinds who and where were you at age six? Oh, six. Uh, I had just gotten the green cast off of my arm from breaking it <laughs> in uh, yeah. kindergarten from uh, being really annoyed that my older brother could use the jungle gym and I couldn't, so I tried yeah. uh, taking the monkey bars by myself and just wasn't strong enough and just fell and broke my left arm. Uh, so, six. Could take over the world. Um, <laughs> I was in love with a girl named Brooke who <laughs> was consequently interested in like the 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 first grader named river who would end up being like the most popular kid for oh, wow. all 12 years of school for me oh, yeah. um, like he was just like the man for like all of like middle school and, like high school and what's hilarious is like he's a great guy like i still know him <laughs> but, <laughs> not like my this bitter enemy when stereotype i was six, of okay. uh, <laughs> the jerk yeah. like um Oh yeah, stereotypes always fail. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Six. I was already uh, a writer in my mind. Um, I had recently composed my first short story called "The Dog and the Frog," which is literally <laughs> just this really terrible, like one pager about this uh, uh, dog who's out like playing with a, a, a frog, and they just have a conversation. They play this like weird kind of like version of volleyball with each other, but using just like things you would find out in the woods um 
And then the dog invites the frog to come live with him, and they're best friends. Um, yeah. uh, Where can so, I yeah, purchase this? Sure, I wrote that when I was six. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, you know, you know, Venmo Where's me, this available I, for? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, actually, the only reason I uh, have a copy of it right now is because my dad recently found a file of it, and he emailed oh, wow. it to me. I was like, oh, awesome. this isn't nearly as good as I remember. Um, <laughs> I think I was just getting into songwriting um, around age six. Um, I would be writing my own songs by age nine, I think. But earlier than that, it was more just like I would kind of play around with my own versions of songs. Like I would kind of have these songs in my head that we sang, you know, at church on Sunday mornings or that we um, that my mom would you know play over the radio while we're driving around and then I would try to come up with my own versions of them. Uh, the funniest one for me, which thankfully I don't remember any of the details of it, um, but I was working on a rewrite of Isn't She Lovely by Stevie Wonder, which is one of the greatest songs of all time. <laughs> so it's like, how dare I think that as this six-year-old that I can improve on it. I'm um, better. Yeah. But, it's, but it's also, it, 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 what's also funny to me is it came from this com total place of misunderstanding the song because I was turning it into more of like a romantic uh, guy girl love song when Isn't She Lovely was written about, you know, Stevie Wonder's baby being born. Um, which you'd think is obvious because you hear babies like crying at the beginning of the song, but whatever. Um, <laughs> I was dense, still am. Um, uh, I wore a lot of big striped shirts uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all up on those like bold colors like four inches of one color four inches of another color um and uh yeah and probably uh haven't changed too much yeah, i think if i'm shirts. if yeah. i'm shaped yeah, except the shirts. yeah except the shirts. Um, shirts and beard that's pretty much all it's <laughs> yeah. if I'm shaped, i don't look that different from when i was six actually this is of no benefit to any of our listeners right now but i have this photo album sitting right here next to me so i can pull up a picture of me when i'm six real quick just so you can take a look because why not it's right here um oh no skipped it okay this is far older than six but this gives you a good idea of the type of stripe stripe life that i was into oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, like with the polo logo, the uh, <laughs> yeah. like the Ralph Lauren big like like a uh, button polo logo on the uh, all about it. Right, the left chest, <laughs> the left pec. This this is probably right-ish. Some more more stripes, a bit more of the flat area, sitting on some Star Wars bed sheets. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> It's yeah. actually funny, like, I've been, um, I, I, I tend to check my uh, Facebook memories every day, because I'm just so uh, uh, amused slash devastated by the things I used to post on oh, Facebook. No. You know, and you know, and oh, every no. now and then, I just, it, 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 it's frequent enough that I'll find something that's um, like, oh, wow, nothing's changed. Nothing yeah. changed at all. <laughs> or, uh, yeah. you know, there's been so many like Twitter trends lately of just like, you know, name your top five this, your top ten that, blah blah. blah. And one of them was what were the top five artists that you listened to the most during high school? 
And I believe I answered thrice the receiving end of Sirens, Mew, Jesse McCartney, and Backstreet Boys. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and the responses to that tweet were, oh, so nothing's changed. <laughs> uh, you're right. You're right. Um, yeah. So. Is that good or bad? I don't know. Uh... <laughs> I, I, I do. I, I do somewhat wear my uh, consistency as a badge of honor. Um, to say, yeah. like, uh, like the world I, will I change, but I never will. You know, <laughs> no. It's like, it's like I, I, I'm glad that my changes tend to not be phases. That the way that I change is more of just like, it's like the things that I like or appreciate just grow. They don't like exchange. So it's like I still love all of the music that I listened to and all the movies I watched in high school, and maybe even a little bit earlier. Um, sixth grade would kind of be the 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 main points where uh, I kind of started making my own opinions and having my own taste and things. So really, from like that point forward, I, I don't really like have things I can look back as. Oh, those were my emo years. Oh, those were my metal days. Oh, those were, that was my country phase. Um, that's all just like this expanding thing that I still love. You know, the the music from two thousand four and the music from two thousand fourteen. Um, and it's just it's just expanded, you know. Like I made that long series of Blade Runner jokes earlier that I really thought <laughs> like, and uh, and like yeah, like that uh, I just saw that movie for the first time in uh, 2017, like a few weeks before the sequel came out. And I love both now, and it doesn't. Uh, it's kind of a weird example because it's so new, but like it like. It became like kind of new favorites, but it doesn't, you know, shove out anything else. You know, I still love the movies that I saw first that are I now understand to be clear Blade Runner knockoffs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. All the posts. Yeah. Um, what I need to ask, um, I need to ask you, what is art? Huh. Uh, ooh. <laughs> I feel like I should have some. Simple like, but difficult. Well, it's memorized already. <laughs> oh, wow. Webster's Dictionary. So, uh, now, also, what is art to you? I, uh, not, not, the, quick, not the science people in universities. But, uh, yeah, quick quick <laughs> tangent as I try to come up, as I stall, essentially. To <laughs> your question. Uh, my day job is working for a scholarship services company. And so one part of the work that I've done for this company is actually reading through essays for scholarships and grading scholarships. And I can't tell you how frequently students actually start their essays with Webster's Webster's Dictionary defines leadership (laughs) as um, being a leader. Um, But it's... (laughs) So I would say... uh, Chase middle school dictionary uh, <laughs> defines ort as um, the the expressions of uh, thought, idea, or feeling um, that are not inherently um, useful or 
pragmatic, um, but instead lean into mediums of uh, interpretation and uh, forms of melody, story, visual, and movement. Yeah. <laughs> I like I'll that. Accept, yeah. <laughs> that. Acceptable, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I definitely went I, I, I went heavy for the academic um, yeah. <laughs> on that. I don't know if you wanted a more personal no, yeah, thing for yeah. me. Well, I art, like, I, art is up in the eye of the beholder, right? So it's uh, uh, how you want to approach that? I guess it's so. Yeah. Up in the eye. Um, <laughs> all up in that eye of the beholder. <laughs> yeah, I think... I think there is a question. Um, it, it kind of makes for interesting conversation of uh, whether there's a difference between art and entertainment. You know, can you have two movies side by side, but only one of them is art? Um, you know, can you have some greatest hits compilation from an artist? And some of the tracks are art. Some of them are just, yeah. uh, you know, consumer, uh, consumerist, uh, whatever. Uh, do you have a definition of art? Do you ever share your own? Uh, no. <laughs> How dare you? you Art's just like stuff, you know? It's like stuff <laughs> and things out there. <laughs> um, well, I always no. just struggle with where do you draw the line between what is and what is not art. Yeah. Um, just my whole life. I kind of go back and forth where it's like, um, I know last year there was like a big stink on social media about someone like duct taped a banana to the wall. Did sure. You see that? Yeah. And it was like valued at like hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it was this big debate. Like people were like, that's not art. That's a banana duct taped to the wall. Yeah. But it's also like, but yeah, that's your opinion because it is actually art to someone else. And it is actually like, like I would go back and forth on that specific like example because sometimes like, you could look at it as art because it's almost rebelling against your preconceived notions of what art should or shouldn't be. Yeah. And it is kind of like a statement and it does invoke feelings. Like if you look at it, it is making you feel things and think about things. So like it is art. It's just not your art. It's not what you want art to be, but can you say yes or no art? Yes. No. Like check. Yes. The box. Yes or no. But I think like it's kind of in the eye of the beholder, like for real, because it is kind of like, I don't know. And like even, I mean, I'm seeing people react so angrily about it. Like, that's not art. And it's like, well, it just did its job. Like, it just provoked emotion in you. Yeah. Even if it is anger. Even if it is resentment or bitterness. But the funniest thing about that specific one, too, was there was a performance artist who went to the exact artwork, the quote-unquote mm-hmm. art, and took the banana off the wall and ate it. <laughs> and that act of eating and was that was art. That was perfect. Yeah, and that was performance art. Like it was. Right. <laughs> so that whole thing like really sparked like um, just a lot of back and forth conversations in my mind about what is art, what is not art. Can that yeah. even be a thing? And you know, my first reaction is like, yeah, that's not art. That's someone taking a piece of produce and a, and a strip of duct tape and putting it on the wall and yeah. patting themselves on the back for a job well done. But like the re- the result is a lot of people feeling various emotions and starting conversations and like, you know, 
just kind of getting a lot out of it in the in the end like the end result is art yeah <laughs> so right. it's like i wouldn't put it i wouldn't compare it to like mona lisa you know <laughs> it's like but one obviously has a lot of skill and time and you know history involved with it and you know there's just different categories of what art is but it's like what is art i think is just so weird <laughs> yeah. it's a bad thing to have it's a good the idea of putting up the idea of putting a price on a piece of art is its own weird yeah. discussion entirely. Yeah. Uh, like, where in the world were people getting thousands of dollars for that? <laughs> like, you know, does that yeah. does that $10,000 yeah. include a lifetime supply of bananas that you will need to replace <laughs> it with as they keep on rotting? Um, exactly, yeah. But it's like, you know, when you go to the movies, you know exactly what you're going to be paying for, right? You know, you're paying like, your $15 or maybe it's like an $8 matinee or something. But the, the, the amount that you're paying for a movie has nothing to do with how much the movie actually cost. You know, you're yeah. paying your $15 ticket, whether it was a movie that cost you know, like $10,000 or a movie that cost $200 million. Yeah. Um, so it's like this... The idea of like what we... The price we put it on, on it is so interesting. You know, there, there are people... You know, yes. you know, your big major labels are spending 10 times more per album than I paid for mine. And yet there are people who made their albums for significantly cheaper um, who have become far more successful and made plenty more money. And, you know, just maybe working with a friend who didn't pay, charge them anything or recording it at home with, you know, like a better setup or better knowledge of producing than I have, or, you know, borrowing microphones from friends. I don't know, whatever it does to make a really cheap album that can get successful. You know, it happens. Yeah. Um, and so, probably like putting a price on um, the personalized songs that I would write for people. It was what essentially the reason why it failed. Um, I started the business um, with a fifty dollar um, price on writing and recording for you a song, what whatever you want it to sound like, whatever you want it to be about. Um, which really, in terms of the the investment involved, was super lowball. Um, but I'm a nobody coming out of nowhere, so it made sense. Um, after I had had some success for a little while with the $50, I decided to double it to $100. And apparently that was crossing a line for a lot of people because my uh, client base has basically dropped to nothing. Um and so, obviously, that wasn't sustainable. So, my third pricing model was uh, to name your own price. Basically, like, you decide what you're willing to put toward it, and I will make the highest quality item that I can based on the budget you provided. Um, and that was really cool because it, I had, you know, occasionally someone who was willing to pay, like, 250 uh, And, like, that was enough money to actually, like, pay other people to get a song, like, uh, professionally mixed and mastered, you know, it's something that I couldn't do on my own. Um, whereas sometimes, like I, you know, would pour my heart into something and they would pay twenty bucks for it. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But it it's so interesting though because like what you're getting at the end of the day is this three or four minute MP3 file that, as far as iTunes goes, you're used to paying ninety nine cents for that. Yeah. Well, yeah. So it is hard to convince someone that this thing that in a sense, you normally pay a dollar for is actually worth 50 times that, 100 times that. Yeah. 
Um, and so, price. Yeah. Uh, back to the back to the, <laughs> oh, yeah. that, the other the other topic though, which I think is great. <laughs> that is, is a uh, really good point because it's just like subjective value. It's market yeah. demand. You know, yeah. It really well, and that, that's to, it like, too. You know. Yeah, like free market trade, like supply and demand curves and stuff. But um, <laughs> right. Yeah, um, iTunes kind of weirdly rigged the market <laughs> to be absolutely. almost like artificially low, like artificially cheap. Yeah. But even that is like relative because so many people can just download music for free now. Or like I pay $10 a month for Spotify and I get unlimited free music basically, you know? Yeah. The idea of like paying like 99 cents for even a song, that seems high to me because I'm so used to <laughs> going right. on YouTube for free or going to Spotify for pretty much like, you know, cents. Yeah. It's like, why would I pay a dollar for a song? Right, and you know, it's but then you're right because it's like, but if it's like, if it actually does hold value, it actually is worth more. And I would be willing to pay like probably fifty or hundred dollars for like my own song about me or about my girlfriend or something, you know, if not right. more, yeah. hundreds of dollars. Um, but it's just, it's like everything's so skewed by just like the ease, the ease of the technology and right. the convenience of it. Yeah, and the convenience, like you know, if if Wi-Fi were to suddenly just disappear from the planet. You know, or if internet, if the internet just broke, you know, you'd suddenly be really happy about the like CDs that you own or yeah. the MP3s that you have on your hard drive, right? Um, but a record collection case, would just be like weird. It would be like valuable. <laughs> yeah, right. It would just be cool and hipster for having a record collection. I would actually like <laughs> be the guy with music on the block. <laughs> right, selling it. It's, it's it's like the new toilet paper. Yeah. It's the hottest thing. Um, yeah. yeah. But I do want to return to a few minutes to another conversation topic that uh, you mentioned, or we kind of we both talked about. Is I just think it's super fascinating about whether something's art and who gets to judge. Um, my my top three favorite films of all time start out with two movies that are super prestigious award-winning they have two of the highest scores on metacritic.com history it's the social network and ratatouille my third favorite falls immensely down uh, the charts in terms of any sort of awards ever it might have even like i don't know received like a razzie nomination or something um it's dinner for schmucks Uh, it's kind of like seemingly lowbrow comedy with Steve Carell and Paul Rudd. And I think it's brilliant. And it's the kind of thing that like it's it's my third favorite film of all time and there are probably pe- if people even know of the movie because it wasn't even very successful. Yeah, I don't even I, I've never Right. I feel like I, I've heard that before but I could not even tell you what it was about or who yeah, it was. Yeah, I think it was the first time that these two, you know, co-stars of Anchorman had reunited. It uh it's from the director of the Austin Powers movies. Um but so it has this but it has this artist character in the movie and some of the best like ideas and observations and just funny lines come from him and there's this one part where he's like he's like at an art show like showing off his stuff and (laughs) sorry (laughs) and critics are talking and all these you know posh art admirers are around him and he's talking to him he said and Critics said my art was disgusting, and I said, "Good, I wanted to disgust you." <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. 
which is, is like such a funny way to get around criticism to say that um you know if everyone hates your art all you need to say is good i was trying to inspire hatred with my art yeah. mission accomplished um and so like there there is a certain amount of you know it's art if the artist is accomplishing what they want it to yeah. or if it you know meets their measurements of what art is um and i sometimes i, I bring like the kind of like duex machina into the conversation of if there is any line to draw between what is art and what isn't art like humans can't be the ones to draw it we're too subjective that you would need god to step in to say this is art this isn't and that kind of that when you put him into the situation it's almost like you almost feel like that would be like beneath (laughs) him like he's never gonna do that um like he's not gonna bend himself to our arbitrary definitions of things um but that being said like you know you know there's like you know god gets to say what truth is but we still have our subjective experiences like there's there's some validity to the idea of like quote unquote my truth um but it's like but something being true to you or true for you or true from your perspective still doesn't make it true on a universal level um and so something being like art or meaningful to someone doesn't mean it needs to be artful or meaningful to everyone. Um, you know, just earlier in this call, I showed you this like literal shrine that I have in my bedroom <laughs> to the last Jedi, a super you know polarizing movie that some people would say yeah. is the worst garbage to come out in theaters in like the history <laughs> of blockbuster yeah. filmmaking. Um, and then here I am saying that it's one of the greatest films in film history. Um, and to me, it's it's actually I would actually say that it's the only Star Wars film that really qualifies in every manner as art. Um, that for for all the definitions that you could have of what art is supposed to be in terms of its meaning, in terms of its ideas, in terms of its uh, beauty, like I, I think it's the only Star Wars film that actually hits versus all the ones that are more con- um, leveled at like entertainment or consumerism or merchandising or you know just crowd pleasing and so for me like it's follow-up film the rise of skywalker kind of like fails on all those levels and it's not art by my definitions probably um because of how devoid it is of any real like meaning it's not like saying something it's not claiming anything and trying to prove it with the story that it's telling and the visuals it's presenting to you um but I still think it's a great time at the theaters, you know, it's still yeah. blast to watch. And so it's like this, there's a certain extent to which like, uh, the, the art ness of stuff doesn't necessarily matter. Or like I could point to two albums and say, this one is frothy fun. And this one is deep and artful. I still want to listen to the third one or the first one. I still prefer the first one more. Um, and so, like, you know, something being more artful can almost be to its detriment sometimes. Um, yeah. Definitely. But, yeah. And then, and really, it, it, it so quickly devolves into conversation of semantics or subjectivity that it is uh, you know, maybe a worthless conversation. <laughs> but I, I, I plugged this earlier. Um, uh, the podcast Unlearning Ignorance in August... 
Yeah, so I think the first Monday in August we'll be releasing our episode uh, that is um, objectivity in art. And I think we specifically hone in on objectivity in music. And we, we get at it. And we, we really wrestle with um, whether, whether that's a thing, whether it, you can be objective with an art. And I think it's a really fun conversation that not enough people even think about. I think it's too easy to just assume that art is subjective because we've been fed that for a long time. Um, and once you really get into the nitty gritty of it, it's a way more interesting conversation. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, so you said this upcoming upcoming August. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's monthly once, episodes once in terms month, of yeah. big topics, um, and then we have the response episodes that come out later in the month. And then maybe like bonus episodes kind of scattered here and there. So uh, pacifism is May. Uh, personality tests will be June. Gun control will be July. And then objectivity will be August. Yeah. Well, I was thinking, just to kind of touch on something you were kind of mentioning, but there's a really good, and I'm not going to be able to quote it exactly, but there's a Jack White song off of hey, one of his- quote it exactly. <laughs> one of his latest albums and it really like provoked me into having like a three-year-long philosophical debate in my mind about what is yeah. art <laughs> and uh the, I, I don't know what the lyrics are but basically the concept is he's kind of he's making fun of people who make fun of him for being too artsy or too mm-hmm. like like weird or something yeah and he's basically like mocking them back saying like um you think you're creative yourself but everything, everything is just a copy of God. Like you're copying God, mm. and it really provoked this yep. discussion in my mind of like, in the end, like we don't create anything. We're yep. all we're all just imitating what we know and see in this realm that is God's. Yeah. Like God is all encompassing everything, and we're just kind of like highlighting it and showcasing it and like borrowing things from other people or stealing from other people. Yeah, and we we have this illusion in our minds that we are creators. But we don't create, we imitate, we copy what is God's, yeah. you know? So I think like at the end of the day, like all of art is, if you want to put it concisely and simply, is it's just shades of God. It's shadows of God. It's little yeah. replications of what God's creation is. Yeah, I love that. Sense of it. Um, and but that's think, not the fun answer that people want to hear. <laughs> no, well, I think, I people want to like have their ego stroke and think <laughs> like, I'm a smart boy. I created something, you know. Uh, You're a smart boy. Um, <laughs> they don't the, want to uh, be underneath God, you know. Yeah, the, people, I'd say, yeah. I think the idea of being like sub-creators uh, is so vital to like putting ourselves in our place because... If we're taking the book of Ecclesiastes at its word, like there is nothing new under the sun. Um, that, you know, the, the newest technology and, and, and the the most creative music and, and films out there are still not at their core new. Um, it, it, they're not presenting something that's truly unknown um, in the way that God created everything out of nothing. Um and we are working with his tools in his world in the ways that his spirit is inspiring us. Um, you know, I believe, uh, you know, when, when Paul says it is in him that we move and breathe and have our being, like that points to a way in which like the spirit of God flows throughout all things. Um, and that 
like all good art is in some way like the the like human and god participating together in this mysterious way that like you actually kind of get to see described in um i think deuteronomy maybe uh talking about uh, the building of uh the ark of the covenant and the way that the spirit would come upon people as they painted as they crafted um which is crazy and, and beautiful <laughs> and you know some people don't feel creative at all but we are all sub creators in different ways when we um when we cook meals when we raise our kids when we uh repair cars um that those are all like creative tasks in a sense you know we're all like taking something presented to us in a form of chaos and trying to turn it into a form of order which could be another definition of art as you said earlier you know it's <laughs> trying to make order out of chaos um and so that creativity doesn't need to it, it well it isn't limited to the creatives you know like i am not better than someone because i can write lots of songs um in fact, I sometimes feel worse <laughs> than people oh, yeah. because I'm in my room writing songs while other people are out there m- making cars and, and fixing uh, toilets and uh, doing things that seem like useful, yeah. which again points to like what I said about the, the, the seeming uselessness of art. Um, but, but there's like there's beauty in the usefulness of things and beauty in the, the uselessness of, of things, so to speak. Um, and so the whole spectrum is so good and the whole spectrum is so creative. Um, and, you know, we don't need to pit uh, against each other needlessly. Um, you know, the, the, the music career versus the accounting career yeah. <laughs> film you know, versus carpentry. Right. Um, so there are all these good things that point to not only god as creator but then like you know his specific design of us that we be in his image that we sub create with what he gave to us um as debatably part of uh the way in which he created humans um yeah well i had to look this up because it was bugging me um and it's very poetic but i'm gonna read the the, the, the exact uh, Jack White lyric? Yeah, it's Jack White, Ice, Ice Station Zebra off of uh, his 2008 album. And it's uh, everyone creating, this is just, this isn't the whole song, but in the middle of the song, it's um, everyone creating is a member of the family, passing down genes and ideas and harmony. The players and the cynics will be thinking it's hard, but if you rewind the, ty- the tape, we're all copying God. Copying God, copying God, he repeats it a couple times. Add your own piece, but the puzzle is God's. And I That's love really that. Good. That's exactly what That's you're really saying. Good. Like, I mean, every yeah. little part is just one tiny little piece of the giant puzzle, you know? Whether yeah. you're an accountant or a plumber or a musician or a podcaster or a, you know, no, 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 not <laughs> video podcasters. game player. <laughs> we don't get to call ourselves just, like, artists. sit around playing video games. You know, it's like every little, <laughs> like, you could just sit, sit around and, like, bash someone for their lifestyle choice but all of it is just one little piece of the bigger puzzle that is mm-hmm. god you know the whole big creation yeah i love that yeah <laughs> i love that well speaking of all of this can you describe your art in one word or one sound emo i'm kidding I love- <laughs> uh, wait, one word or one sound yes yeah. like 
Uh, also not up, true. Yeah. Um, no. um, <laughs> I'm gonna go with anti-dishonest. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, because I think just to use say honest, um, would would not get the full picture. Um, because I'm not. Total, I'm not writing from a place of like diary entries and autobiographies. I'm, I'm fudging details all the time, and I'm you know mixing true and false. Um, but it's, but I am always trying to get at the truth, you know, and I am always trying to get at the most honest expression possible, which might not mean telling my autobiographical story detail per detail, you know, um, but. Uh, so like anti-dishonesty w- would be for me like fighting against lies and-, and the stories that we tell that keep us from facing reality which honestly like brings me back to one of the last things I wanted to say about art which there isn't necessarily something wrong with um, treating art as merely entertainment you know just wanting to turn on the radio to feel good or to get a pick me up and obviously, I do that as well. You know, I have things that I turn to when I need um, uh, just a smile. I even talked about it earlier that you know when I'm working a shift late at night, I might you know put on some comfort food, you know, movie to like help me get through the, the late shift. Um, but in general, I want the art that I make and the art that I consume not to be something that removes me from the real world, not something that distracts me from reality around me but something that helps like push me further into reality even if it's a completely fictional movie i want it to be something that helps me understand reality better or that forces me to think about it in new ways or gives me a chance to understand stories different from my own and that is a value of art that i think is built into it at its core from god's creation of art and yeah that's just a, a big thing for me like i like unfall is through and through an album about isolation and that wasn't even necessarily intentional it was more so like after the 10 songs had come together that i realized that there was this common theme that flows through all of them and now it's out in a time where all of us are being isolated from one another and we almost don't have a choice so <laughs> yeah. Like, I want Unfall to not just be something that people can turn to right now um, to, you know, put a smile on their face or to be able to, you know, dance through doing their chores, which <laughs> is a great thing, oh, at yeah. least. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. But and I want it to be something that helps people and encourages and challenges and sanctifies people in the isolation that we feel, whether it's being quarantined by yourself in a one-bedroom apartment or if you're in a house filled with people that you love and who love you and you still somehow feel alone sometimes. You would have been worth the wait. Is it too late? worth the wait. The boy before he grew into man he knew. You'd be
this is my segment called uh, Do You. Uh, do you okay. questions? You ready? <laughs> is this like a speed round? You just want me to answer as quick as no, possible? No, 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 no. no the okay. next, the next segment will be a speed round. But okay, it's cool. never actually a speed round. So uh... <laughs> I'll, try to, I'll try to honor the speed round. But, uh, okay. but yeah, no speed here. But uh, do you trust robots? No. No. Only like Wally. That. He's the only one. <laughs> I like that. Do you wash your apples? Uh, yes. When I remember to. Yes. It's usually when I bite into the sticker that I'm like, oh, I should have watched it. <laughs> I love that. Uh, do you read? Not as much as I want to, but yes. I I can read. I have the ability to read. <laughs> and I sometimes use that ability. I love that. Yeah, I've been reading more now. Now that the world is collapsing and no one wants to hang out, it's like, yeah, yeah. I might as well read all those books I kept saying I didn't have time to read. Uh, right. I, I wish <laughs> I have needed my quarantine for more reading. Um, yeah. I've honestly, like, just this past week kind of figured out a way to um, to consistently have the Bible as part of my daily routine without, like, skipping it. Um, so that's obviously been a great thing. Um, but outside of scripture there's been very little i've been reading i even started a book last night and then got distracted and ended up on the internet instead. <laughs> <laughs> it's like technically i read half of a page yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> i read the forward to that book yeah great yeah. Uh, how about cooking do you cook not as often as i should um i will say that it's it's almost like <laughs> there's something like the the grocery store right now is like this weird scary thing that's like everyone's so paranoid and freaking out um and you never know if you're gonna even find what you want when you go anymore because like things were getting sell sold out all the time so it's i've had so much saying like in my brain just go get fast food okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's been a lot of bad food decisions um but like i i will specifically get you know some items every now and then to do a little cooking um, I used to cook a lot more, um, and then there was a season of life back when my brother and I were living together that we set up a, a system where he was the one that cooked all of our meals, and I was just the one who bought them. Um, so that worked really well for us to, based on like the, the money we were making and the time we had back then. Um, and so he became this great like chef, and I just lost all cooking habits, and so I haven't really uh, bounced back from that. That's awesome, though. That's a perfect partnership. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, do you think that straws have one or two holes? As you sip from a straw. Ooh. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say two. Two. I'm gonna say two. I'm gonna say a hole is not about. Um, that that a hole is about the entry point, not the. Uh, not the like continuous break like saying like a tunnel like i wouldn't call it one continuous hole i would say that you enter one hole leave it the other okay. funny question i like that that, that really that really <laughs> set me back that's the best question to ask like if i'm interviewing a band like <laughs> four like three people or four people because it'll like we'll literally start fights <laughs> they will start Good. fighting with each other about it. Good. It's like the dumbest, simple little thing, you know. Um, 
But um, yeah, I guess. How do you want to die? Um, yeah. I'm for for me, it's really like two. There's always been two romanticized ways in my head. Um, one would either just be peacefully in my sleep, or two being like out in this spiritual battlefield. You know, like yeah. as some sort of martyr, whether it's like taking a bullet for someone or dying because I was sharing the gospel with someone. Um, yeah. Anything else to me terrifying. Whether it's like <laughs> drowning or like a car wreck or something, like please, please don't let it be one of those. Yeah, a meaning meaningless death. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I've been reading a lot lately about like martyrs and martyrdom, like the early Christian martyrs, and yeah. um, it strangely makes me want to like be one, and also at the same time, like that's like a duality in my brain of like mm-hmm. avoid it at all costs, but also like run towards it. Yeah, <laughs> so it is kind of like a romantic, but also like, yeah, I'd rather not uh, be tortured. Yeah, like we should <laughs> before I go. Want that, but we but, should want the type of lifestyle that causes that. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's like you know you did something right, yeah. but it's just the final like five minutes are not fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um. But um, do you think that atoms have color? Huh. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say... Hmm. going to say yes. Yeah. That I think... Color is the uh, simply the perception of how light bounces off of objects. Light particles are still able to bounce off of atoms, so if we had eyes to see, there would be color there. Yeah. Okay. I like that. And uh, do you think that taxation is theft? No. No. <laughs> uh, not inherently. Um, I, I believe that... Uh, there's a point to which taxation can become theft. I think there is also a level of fair taxation. Um, so, it, and that's a big discussion itself as to like where's <laughs> the line and how far is too far. But that's to say podcast, outright yeah. that um, all taxation is theft, I think is uh, silly, yeah. in my opinion. Love it. And, uh, and do now you... everyone will be tweeting at me. How? Yeah. <laughs> You don't know what you're talking about. You're throwing your money away at the government, and you're happy about it. That sounds like a uh, good uh, discussion for the podcast. Oh, it's on our list. Yeah, Yeah. give Caesar what's Caesar's. What does that truly mean? That's a whole discussion here. Uh, That's one of my favorite verses. (laughs) Um, And do you prefer Christmas or Fourth of July? I mean, neither, but I would go with Christmas. I am kind of against Christmas on a on a Christian spiritual level as something that Christians need to be celebrating. Um, I think Christmas and Easter both have a tendency of just overshadowing the regular importance that every Sabbath is supposed to have. Absolutely. And I think if on every Sabbath we gave proper due to the teaching and glorification of Christ's eternal existence, incarnation, birth, life, death, resurrection, and eternal reign, 
then we wouldn't need special days once a year to yeah. give remembrance to that which we're giving proper um, reverence to every week. Um, but also, July 4th does, it just doesn't mean much to me. Fireworks are cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's kind of the same, but in like a very like physical, because like, 4th of July is like, oh, once a year, let's remember we have freedom. It's like, yeah. well, shouldn't that be an everyday thing? Yeah, I remember every day that I have freedom. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. I, I'm, I used to really love Christmas and Easter, but now, even when I was just not even religious, just like the you know families getting together and having food and stuff. And um, now as just a, like a born again Christian, um, I see it as like, yeah, let the kids do it. You know, yeah. it's kind of a good way to like kind of um, talk about Christ and his works, you know, sure. and put it in relatable terms for children. But yeah. now looking at like adults celebrate it and how materialist it has become and how, you know, earth worshiping it seems in like the pagan sense and all that kind of just like. Yeah, I don't know the materialistic sense. Yeah, it's kind of I'm kind of over it. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, churches don't seem to be. So that's a whole nother discussion. <laughs> well, it's, it's it's honestly like a peer pressure thing. Like yeah. the the churches yeah. that like the uh, back in the early days of America, the churches that refused to celebrate Christmas were seeing their congregations go to other churches that did celebrate. So it's like, well, we don't want to lose our people, and so, yeah. so they started they started honoring it. They started having Christmas services so that their flock would come to them instead of go elsewhere. And now it's like uh, similar. You know, it's like we're probably going to have more people at church on Easter Sunday than any other day of the year. Yeah. So we should make a big deal out of it so that people stick around. Like I understand the logic, and and but again, it's like. You're, you're considering it from more of like a consumer business standpoint. Yeah. Like, how do we keep our people? How do we please them? <laughs> versus just like, how what is church supposed to be like? Um, so the, yeah. the market demand, not the beauty. Exactly. Art, yeah, not, <laughs> not the beauty of the art. It's the value of the art. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's, what, that's what this whole episode is about. Market demand. <laughs> I love that. I want to change my answer uh, to the question earlier. <laughs> I have one word to describe my music. Yeah. Art demand, market demand. <laughs> Mark, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Sweet.
Well, yeah, so this is going to be the quick thoughts segment. The name okay. of my segment is This is Quick Thoughts, but they're never quick. So don't. I'm going to try to be as quick as possible. All right. Um, dinosaurs. Uh, I think the bones were put there by God when he created the world because I believe he created a world in the middle of its existence. So I think that he authentically um, created a world as if it had existed for thousands if not millions of years and so there's a fake history that we find as we delve into uh the earth uh due to um the creativity and the uh integrity of god in his creation of things in the same way that he created an adult man in the garden that we call adam uh that if you would have cut him open and put him under like uh in a science lab you, know, you would have said, okay, well, this man is clearly like 28 years old. And he would have said, no, I've, I've been alive for five seconds. And they would have said like, oh, he's uh, clearly shaved a few times. Like, what's shaved? He's like, yeah. you know, <laughs> clearly he's you know, eaten approximately yeah. three meals a day every day. He's like, I've never had food before. Um, I think it's the same thing when we look at Earth. Yeah, love that. So Quick thoughts. The be- belly button too, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone always freaks out over the belly button. It's like, yeah, there was no belly button, bro. <laughs> Gross. Um, yeah. Quick thoughts. Uh, guns. Um, I am personally like I you know, listen to the pacifism episode of Unlearned Ignorance, but <laughs> I or the gun control episode in two months. But uh, we, uh, I'm I'm not a fan. I I really don't. Uh, they're fun, you know, on occasion to go out to a, to a range and aim for targets and stuff. But yeah, I uh, I side towards like the nonviolence and the getting rid of guns thing. Um, and I, as a, as a Christian, don't think that I should have something in my house that kills intentionally. That you know the primary purpose of it is to end a life. Um, so yeah. What about the moon? The moon? Yeah. Yeah, I believe that on the dark side of it, there are transformers uh, <laughs> that came uh, to uh, our planet from Cybertron thousands of years ago. Yeah. And uh, they've been keeping watch on us. And <sighs> yeah, and I believe that uh, First Man is a really great movie about the uh, moon landing. And I believe that Ad Astra is a really great movie about uh, creating a society on the moon and, and trying to expand to other planets. <laughs> Love Those it. are my thoughts. Love it. And then birds. Fun to watch sometimes. Um, I wish that they would just like land on me and actually like in- interact <laughs> more. Like, that would be cool. Like be friends, not yeah. Yeah, I, I would love to have some like Snow White experiences. <laughs> with birds. I love that. Makeup. Um, I, I think makeup is uh, wonderful when not overused. Um, I don't think it makes a woman more beautiful than without. I just think it makes them differently um, beautiful. So I, I don't think there's any problem with it but i i would never want to like date or um marry a woman if i wasn't like used to seeing them without makeup but i just think like makeup when used correctly also just enhances their natural uh features for um a different type 
of beauty um which that entire answer was completely woman focused um as far as men <laughs> using it i'm not completely opposed my brother actually used to use makeup frequently um i used to put on like a little bit of a concealer that was like acne treatment but would also kind of like hide the acne a little bit um uh so it has like very real functions um but it's also kind of a, a, a bummer that it's it is leaned on too much yeah. that like you know people who are redheads feel like they literally can't go out into public without like <laughs> mascara on because like we as a society are so used to those like dark eyelashes that when a ginger doesn't have the dark eyelashes they look like sick or pale and that, that's kind of sad to me um but kind of is what it is yeah. quick thoughts <laughs> i love it i love it um what about black mirror the tv show yeah oh it's fine uh i think it it, it definitely like goes up and down in quality um its ideas are usually interesting but the execution isn't always fantastic i did really enjoy going through banner snatch um but the only reason it was really enjoyable because it was like a room of people as we like made the decisions all together oh, we like vote on which choice to take and i uh, kind of got to see like a few different endings of it but uh yeah it's like i i haven't even watched the newest season it's it's not something that uh is like a high priority item for me uh, i always veer towards movies instead of tv shows anyway and as we discussed earlier like i didn't even have like a netflix subscription when the yeah. know, season dropped <laughs> yeah. so kind of so, just a, a whatever thing yeah the bandersnatch one is the only one i haven't seen because i can't illegally download it oh yeah <laughs> you, you would have to it's like the one you watch have to have someone account specific <laughs> walk through them. But shh, don't tell my uh, NSA handler about that. Uh, <laughs> don't let the FBI get their hands on this. Uh, but uh, speaking of Netflix, what do you think of Tiger King? Zero thoughts. Except yeah. that I think it's stupid that they're now making a live-action version of it. <laughs> or like a, like yeah. a, a reenactment or drama. A movie or something. Whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and what do you think about 3D printers? Uh, super cool. My... Uh, uh, my co- one of my college roommates did 3D like his job like throughout college was working at like a 3D printing lab and working on creating things using 3D printers and I just think it's so sweet uh, <laughs> all that like you know like that's it, 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 it's almost like it's like the after all these years of sci-fi like imaginings of what kind of uh, tools we'd have in the future 3D printing seems like the logical conclusion of like yes we finally have this after all this yeah. time so Absolutely. yeah Love it. And um, what do you think about um, the shape of the Earth? Uh, I think it's uh, it's like this constant winding up to someday just be thrown out into the solar <laughs> system where some giant alien is waiting with a baseball bat. <laughs> like the, 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 like our sun is just the pitcher. And it's been winding up for thousands and thousands of years yeah. to throw this ball, this yeah. uh, this baseball-shaped ball, out to some batter to just hit us as far as we can go. Did that yeah. answer the question? I think it did. Yeah. Yeah. So you're a globe birther. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you're one of I'm those globe yeah. I'm a sensical <laughs> Um, well, similarly, speaking of aliens with baseball bats, um, what do you think about Elon Musk? 
I think he's an alien with a baseball bat. Um, I think <laughs> yes, the name of his yeah. child is the ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, yeah. I also don't care for Grimes music very much. Um, I don't keep up too much, honestly. Um, I mean, if he invents a good thing every now and then, cool. But I, I think I've also heard that he's really just like, he just inherited a lot of money and he's just doing yeah. things with it. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, and uh, what do you think about Kanye West? Uh, I was surprisingly on board with his uh, gospel album that came out this past October. Um, I've been up and down with him over the years. Um, the most I've ever liked by any uh, in terms of his music was Graduation, uh, which is best known for the hit song Stronger, which was cool for me as a longtime Daft Punk fan. Um, so I'm not as big on some of his most famous albums or most like cult favorite albums like uh yay or no no sorry yeezus yeah. or my beautiful dark twisted fantasy like i don't care for those as much as a lot of people do um and i don't think his new christian album is great um but i think uh evidence points to his conversion being real and i think that what we're seeing right now is the trajectory of a a, a baby believer whose heart is in the right place but he's still learning a lot and dealing with a mixture of good and bad influences um so it'll be it'll just be super interesting to see what happens uh yeah. something that he was threatening <laughs> so to speak oh no was <laughs> recreating all of his old albums but making them clean um and i'm fascinated by what that would uh if that would like rip the artistic goodness out of it um or if it would um just like kind of just if it would just if he would be able to fill in those gaps and the arts remaining still be as good as it was before. But I look at some songs like drunken hot girls and I think like, what in the world can he do? That's me. I don't Yeah, he could, he could turn it into a warning, you know, not a promotion. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I've loved Kanye forever and I, I think his journey is similar to mine where it's like, just you are, you worship the materialist material world. You're hedonistic in all your ways. Mm -hmm. You know, you just want to be famous and rich and don't care about anyone else. And then one day you kind of snap and you're like, what is the meaning of all this? Wait. Like, there has to be more to life than just me. There has to be more to life than just like pleasures and highs and all that kind of stuff. And how do you unwind? Like now all of a sudden you've converted. You're, you're finding God. You're finding what's righteous and true. But you've built up this life of you know, people, friends and family in your life, jobs, you know, environments that like you have put around you that are just not good. And so how do you now as like a good person either live in that or leave that and exit that? And I think that's like what people don't get about Kanye that I yeah. do get is just imagine his life and how trapped he must be in like the dark world yeah. of, you know, this world. Like he was so ingrained in the material of this world. And then if you're if you actually are on like a spiritual journey of finding God and trying to search for the kingdom, how do you leave that world or how do you try to change the world around you? You know, so I actually yeah, really love that sure. and appreciate that. I was but, trying to interject at one point and say, wait, are you telling me that as a Christian, I'm not supposed to just care about being rich and famous? Um, <laughs> but then you went in a way, way more like solemn and serious and insightful route than I was expecting. I was like, this, I shouldn't. Interrupt. Yeah. No, you're um, good. But yeah, it's like I think a lot of 
I mean, not a lot of, but there are a good amount of Christians out there that are just born and raised Christian and they're in good families and in good homes and in good yeah. churches. And then all yeah. of a sudden they look at someone like Kanye West and they're like, yeah, I mean, and almost rightfully so, because like you're just yeah. so you're not used to it. You don't know what he's going through. You can't like put yourself in his shoes because your life has been so good and righteous that you can't understand the redemption story. Yeah. Or you just don't want to believe it's real because, you know, like you've never done it or seen it or experienced it. Uh, yeah, that that is like a, a, a genuinely tough thing when when you don't have your own past to look to for like living as a as a lost, you know, non-believer for years, if not decades. And then having this like 180 shift from, yeah. you know, Christ saving you and turning your life around and turning your how you view the world upside down like if you don't have that if you were raised in the gospel and became a believer at a, a young age um then you it's so easy to fall into that trap of looking around at non-believers and saying they could never be christian yeah. they don't deserve grace and then yeah. and then you've <laughs> and then you've spat in the face of the gospel at that point yeah um, <laughs> yeah yeah i mean yeah my, my simple phrase, my little like quirky little phrase is just uh, Satan and his children hate a redemption story. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. and I always use the word hate because it's like that's the, you know, that's also just the mark of of, of the beast, if you want to, you know, just the yeah. anger and hate. That's, that, you know? that's interesting. Um, so I, I jokingly mentioned earlier uh, the Netflix series, She Run the Princesses of Power, which is one of the main things I've watched on Netflix since quarantine started. And as we're recording this today, May 15th, the final season of the show dropped. And I've seen a lot of talk about whether um, people actually want to see characters redeemed or not. And like whether this kind of kids show, but really more for like, I don't know. There, there's probably more adults that like it than, than kids it, it, is my assumption is that like is like not wanting to see the, the, the bad characters redeemed or thinking that they don't deserve it or thinking that for a kids show the redemption is going to be too clean and there won't be enough consequences and, and it's like I get all of that but like what w- haven't we lost something of what redemption is if the redemption is fully earned if that there isn't an element of like mercy and grace involved with a, a you know a bad guy a villain being redeemed, it's just been such interesting um, conversations to watch and to occasionally participate in, um, and it's coming from presumably a, a predominantly non-Christian audience. Not only because I would say a lot of <laughs> America is a non-Christian audience at this point, but the show specifically is it can be left-leaning in, in a few ways. So. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's fascinating. Um, and and it's really interesting just to, to read the, the perspectives of whether or not characters should be redeemed from a completely non-Christian perspective. Um, and then kind of coming in with me being like, uh, (laughs) you know, the the thief on the cross, you know, the, like the, the, the deathbed believer, you know, the, you know, the idea that like Darth Vader uh, was redeemed in his last <laughs> few minutes of being alive by making one good decision. Um, and like, to me like that, that is kind of bad storytelling to an extent. Like there's something really, really awful to how cleanly the ending of 
the return of the jedi happens um and yet something super christian about it um to say that like turning from your sin and turning to christ even in the last moments of you being alive is enough to cover a lifetime of evil um so yeah that's why i i always just think of the prodigal son you know yeah it's like uh it's like the 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 second son is right on like the material like he is right he does have a point like i've been here working for you dad and like you don't reward me with anything like i've spent my whole life being loyal and you know faithful and hard working for you and sacrificing for you and this guy this you know he even says like this guy not even my brother you know yeah. your son not, not my brother your son went out and did all these horrible things and now that he's coming back and asking for forgiveness, you're like throwing a celebration for him. Yeah. And the, you know, the de- it's just like, he's right, but he's also wrong. Yeah. In a weird way. <laughs> right. Like, it is, like, he is returning, you know, it is, it's like, you should rejoice for the return. You should rejoice for the salvation, but it's not like the, the brother is some also big giant jerk and wrong. Like he does have a point, but it's just not what's in the plan. It's just not what's yeah. good at the end of the day. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> ultimately, like, the dad can turn to his other son and say, like, what have I given you that isn't grace? Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, yeah. have you fooled yourself into thinking that you've earned all of the love that I've given you, all of the land that I've given you? Um, yeah. You know? And, and it's not. Like, we... Everything is grace that we've been given. Um, so, like, the, the category of earning... Like we need to shun that as much as we can. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, it's just an ego. Like I deserve. I deserve. I deserve. Yeah. <laughs> it's just comparison. Like you, you're comparing yourself to others. You know. Yeah. When it's like you should just be rejoicing in the fact that everyone is safe now. Yeah. Right? This is how we got there. Yeah. sweet um i just want to end i have a, one final question but before i get to that um 
where can people find and follow you? And do you have any shout outs? Shout out? Um, <laughs> uh, that is a shout out to the Weekly Planet, my favorite podcast, where in their early episodes, they would give their listeners shout outs and they would just oh, go, yeah. shout out in their funny Australian <laughs> accents. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, shout out to uh, Ethan Hicks, my uh, co-host on Unlearning Ignorance. Shout out to jeezfreakoutout.com uh, for dealing with me uh, hosting their podcast for uh, two and a half years. Uh, shout out to um, my brother who also makes really great music. Um, he, uh, I think at this is Taylor Tremaine. But if you if you search Taylor Tremaine, uh, he's been releasing music on Instagram and SoundCloud. Uh, that's really great, like self-produced uh, kind of R&B rock jams. Um, and uh, shout out to my roommates who uh, are <laughs> awesome and have a baby and a dog here who potentially have made a little bit of sound <laughs> in, the, oh, no. <laughs> in the course of this episode. Um, and then uh, I have a website www.chasetremaine.com uh, where I post behind the scenes stuff but also I just like try when I have time to write lots of music reviews and just give like highlights to music that I love and random stuff that I discover and you know, reviews that I write um, if you just want to be my friend you can add me on Facebook otherwise I don't have my own Facebook page but I am at Chase Tremaine on Twitter and Instagram and also, if uh, you've enjoyed any of my hot takes on movies uh, yeah. during this episode, you can find me on Letterboxd, which is like a, a movie review social media, kind of, where people can like, you can uh, keep track of the movies you've watched and give them reviews and star ratings and comment on each other's reviews and follow friends and stuff. That's a really cool website. So I'm on there. Um, I'm either on there at Chase Tremaine or at Ours by Accident, which was my old kind of brand logo whatever that i've kind of left behind yeah. <laughs> that, that should cover it so what's your last question oh yeah well yeah and check out the album unfollow oh, right. Spotify. yes yes it, uh it actually is really good you said it earlier it's good chore music i've been <laughs> listening to it at work it's actually awesome it gets me in a nice little mood oh, man. it gets you thinking and it gets you pumped like you're like it makes whatever menial little side task you're doing not matter <laughs> hey. like it makes time yeah. go by and you're just kind of yeah. energetic and hyped yeah it's really good that's funny so yeah. the very I, I, too. I had mentioned earlier that I have this like supplementary album that I want to record of completely yeah. different songs that just came from like the same seasons of life and on that album that album is basically about the collision of God and everyday things and yeah. so there are two songs on the album that deal with like just like menial tasks and chores that it'll be fun to actually like get out there and release. So hopefully that'll become a reality. Um, but one of the other like artist trajectories that I would like to kind of follow or emulate in the albums that I release is Fallout Boy. Like their their run of like their first four albums is just so insane. Um, and you reminded me of that because one of my favorite chores albums is Infinity on High. Um, back in high school, I could like mow my lawn to the exact length of <laughs> Infinity on High. Um, so, and it's, I look back on how loud I must have been blaring my headphones to be able to hear the music over yeah, the over, yeah. like, I'm going to be deaf. <laughs> oh, there's an answer to your question. Where do I see Chase Tremaine in five years? Deaf. Yeah, same. Um, but, same. Uh, 
Hey, what's your last question? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, Sam. Um, my last question is, did you have fun? Oh, a blast. Yeah. This was so much fun. Thank you. Thank no, you for no, having yeah, me on. Um, I know it's funny that we met as I sit here drinking Starbucks that oh, I yeah. just yeah. I, I mobile pickup. I, I ordered and went and picked it up from the Starbucks uh, where you and I met on Nippers Corner. And uh, we met just because you overheard me talking about my podcast to someone else. Yeah. And we've kept in touch. We've run into each other at different Starbucks. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I'm so glad that we got to do this and that you wanted to bring me on. Uh, this was yeah. super fun. Um, it's great to see you. I'll be at uh, through a screen um, yeah. <laughs> to catch up a bit and I yeah. can't believe that you are so selfless that you would allow me just a medium to rant for two hours um, <laughs> I'm, no, as we've that. discussed I'm stupidly good at monologuing and I did a lot of that this episode oh, yeah. and so if anyone listening enjoyed it you're a trooper um, and you're a friend <laughs> I love it yeah thank you so much yeah that um, that day I was getting out of my car to go into the Starbucks and I was like, I was like, oh, I forgot my wallet. So I was like, oh, I can just pay with my phone, you know, but then my, I had this thought like, oh, but your business cards are in your wallet. Go get your wallet in case you meet someone here. And I'm <laughs> like, oh, no, like, you know, I'm just gonna be sitting here working for like an hour. Like, I'm not meeting anyone important. You know, like, I don't know. I just moved to Nashville. So I'm like, I don't know anyone here, you know? Yeah. And I just had this overwhelming sense, like almost like just like a Holy Spirit feeling of like, no, you're about to meet someone really important. Like, I'm trying to put you in contact with someone right now. Go get your wallet. And I'm like, no, nah, it's just, you know, it's just I don't want to be inconvenienced to walk back to my car, uh, you know, 50 feet away. And I sit down, you know, and it's just more and more. It's like it's like couldn't find a seat. Eventually, just like the right seat opens up at the right time. And, you know, yeah. I sit down and I'm like listening to something. And then like as soon as it cuts out. I had this thought like, man, I need to like, I do need to like meet some people. Like I need to start networking and finding guests for my future podcasts and stuff. And um, right then I just hear you talking to somebody. And mm -hmm. I think it was like someone you you knew, like a friend. It was um, Matt, uh, I forget his name. He was a singer of a Canadian Christian rock band called Down Here. Um, oh, really? uh, yeah, Mark Martell, uh, who... Uh, actually went on tour uh, with like members of Queen because he has like a Whoa. super, uh, uh, like, gosh, I know his name or the singer. Of Queen. <laughs> um, sounds like very similar to the singer of Queen. And then he also like provided vocals for Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, wow. um, so he's, oh. he's he's an awesome guy, super, <laughs> like genuine uh, Christian that's cool. dude that's had a lot of cool opportunities. Um, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was just right then I just hear you, like the conversation you were having and I was just like, oh, this is it. Like I'm supposed <laughs> to, like, I was like, I don't even know this guy. I just know like this is like I'm supposed to like meet you and talk to you and like do something. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, I just really, yeah, I felt like it was pretty divine. Yeah. <laughs> i
hard Just wanted somebody to miss your smile When they cannot make you laugh Somebody to miss the whole you Not picking their favorite half Oh You believe that you're To be honest with us, nothing is in tow. 